Welcome to the Canine PT Academy Podcast. Business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. Introducing your host, Dr. Francisco Maya. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter where you're at in the world and what time it is, I want to thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Canine PT Academy Podcast. Business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. Um, I also wanted to take you uh, the time to fill you guys in on what's been going on. We have had a series of like five weeks in a row with some uh, pre-recorded guest interviews, uh, four of them being with uh, some of my students, and then one of them being with Kristen Smith, where we uh, talked about Google and how to make that work for your business. And I feel I haven't been able to catch you guys up with what's been going on. And the truth is that February is just always a very busy month, if, month for me. Um, primarily being because of my role as president of the Animal Physical Therapy SIG with the American Physical Therapy Association. That's when our uh, DPTA's annual conference, CSM, takes place. And there's always uh, that's always a busy time because of everything that is involved with that role and the things that are going to be involved, meetings, deadlines for things and whatnot. So things have definitely been uh, 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 quite crazy uh, on that front. And then also just a lot lot of cool things that we have going on at the clinic and with this coaching business, uh, uh, you know, new marketing strategies, new programs, new things that as we did our annual planning, we decided to implement now that we have the clinic, now the not the clinic, but now we have the new space at the clinic and now that we're growing, which of course that takes kind of like quite a bit of my time too, but I'm very excited for what's coming up down the pipeline in March and in April. Some really cool things planned for uh, uh, a lot of you guys to be involved with, and that's what I wanted to mention as well. So first of all, um, some of you guys might have downloaded already because I shared that last week on our podcast and on our emails and stuff, but one of the projects that uh, Jew and I wanted to implement gradually with this business was creating like a series of educational resources for you guys, which we titled Marketing 101. And then we would have specific resources on different marketing strategies. So the first one we decided to tackle was talking about Google. And uh, we created this uh, uh, newsletter, brochure, PDF, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, named Turning On Your Google Machine and How to Stop Worrying and Over-Relying on Veterinary Referrals. And if you haven't downloaded it yet, we're going to put the link on the show notes. Uh, you can go to k9ptacademy.com uh, backslash Google hyphen machine as well. And that's going to take you to that link. But basically just wanted to share with you guys on that uh, educational resources why I chose to kind of like focus so much on Google, how that has worked for us, what were the challenges as well associated with it. And then, of course, share with you guys a lot of different tips, a lot of different ways that you can optimize that for you as well. Okay, so if you haven't downloaded yet and you're interested, go ahead to the URL, follow the link on the show notes and get your your copy. Um, And then the other thing, too, is to save the dates. 
I mentioned this, I believe, in the last podcast as well. For April 1st, it's a Saturday. Joe and I are planning something really cool, also focused around marketing as well. Uh, we're going to be sharing more within the next like week or two as well. But right now, I just wanted to let you guys know that we have something uh, coming up that's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be really helpful for a lot of you guys. Um, too and then i'm just overall pretty excited for this weekend too this weekend uh every four months give or take or so uh my incubator students which is my mastermind students that work with me on an ongoing basis they come uh up to chicago and we spend a full weekend talking about business helping them through their own issues helping them move forward with their businesses no matter where no matter where they're at with it and this is a weekend now march 11 and 12th where they're coming in some people are going to join remotely over zoom but just very very excited those are always busy but very fun weekends and i'm sure there's going to be some some uh, uh learn lessons some very good talking points that i'm going to be able to uh share some of you some of those with you guys um afterwards too and then we have today's podcast. So today's podcast, I have been asking you guys to submit your questions. Joe and I uh, 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 wanted to do one of these episodes of like your questions answered, ask me anything type of thing. Um, you know, to make sure that we're addressing the questions, we're addressing the issues that you guys want to hear us talking about too, that you want to hear me answering. So thank you so much for uh, uh, the folks who did send the question. Uh, you can still, you know, always submit a question. Our goal, we got very good, uh, uh, um, you know, we got a decent number of questions kind of stuff. So my goal is going to be every three months to do one of these type of podcast episodes. So we're always going to be promoting also, but, you know, keep that in mind that if you have a specific question that you want me to cover you can always send it along and sometimes that can be even a topic that i turn into a whole podcast on its own as well but i just wanted to say thank you for the folks who who submitted their questions for today's episode okay so with that in mind let's let's jump into that okay so the first question was i am trying to decide on which canine rehab certification program to go with what are the major differences between the different canine rehab certification programs? Okay, and that's a, a, a very common question. Now, I know we have some international listeners, so and I, I would assume this question was from a U.S. listener, you know, also just because of the wording that they used using canine rehab instead of like physio or anything like that. And to be honest, my experience, of course, is with the way things work in the U.S. and I wouldn't be able to really give a very concise answer on how it is in other places around the world, too. So... Just wanted to add that disclaimer over there. But as of today, right, so recording this in early March of 2023, just in case someone is listening to this episode at a much later time. As of today, for uh, 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 in the United States, there are basically three major programs um, that I'm aware of that that like for uh, a physical therapist and veterinarians to go through okay you have the the two main ones that have been around for longest which is the canine rehabilitation institute and uh the program at the university of tennessee the ccrp program and now more recently you also have the ccat program through uh, north carolina state 
okay so let me talk first about the canine rehab institute a little bit and then i'm going to talk about those other two as best as i know as well my experience is with the canine rehab institute so i know more about them but those two kind of like intertwine a little bit too and i can give at least my understanding from from that also just to add a quick disclaimer i do work for cri i've been working for cri as one of the faculty members since 2017 or so now i don't get any kickbacks i don't get anything from anyone who goes through cri because of my recommendation but i just wanted to add that disclaimer so CRI has been around for a while, I want to say like 2004, three, something like that. So about 20 years, give or take. Um, what I can tell you is, so going back to 2013, when I was looking into this, um, you know, at that point in time, there was only CRI and the CCRP program. And the reason why I personally chose to go to CRI at that point in time was because by talking with a couple of individuals that have gone through it and looking at the curriculum and stuff, I have realized that it, I was going to get more hands-on training for it. And for me, I was always a very hands-on learner. That's how uh, even in, in school. Uh, PT school. I always learned best when I was able to get my hands on uh, uh, classmates to practice different techniques and do this and that. So I knew for me, being more hands on was going to be more beneficial. Okay. And this is not to say that other programs you don't get any hands on, but CRI definitely gave more days of in class content, which in turn turned into uh, a more hands on learning because of that. Now, the challenge, of course, sometimes is if it's more days of in person, then it's more days that you're off work, that you're traveling and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I personally saw that as a, a, a short term sacrifice I had to make because I was using my own PTO during those days to be able to uh, do that. But it was a short-term sacrifice for me to be able to put myself through a program that I knew was going to be a better fit for me. Okay. And then even later on afterwards, um, what I've realized by uh, meeting interns from uh, both programs and by talking with individuals for the most part that's most people's experience with it is that you 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 come out much more better prepared with your hands much better prepared with the way of thinking in terms of how to develop your plan of care how to put the pieces of the puzzle together with the format that the canine rehab institute the cri has put it together um, then compare that. So let me talk then about the CCRP program with the University of Tennessee, which once again, I, I have never gone through it. So of course, my, you know, my opinion is a little bit skewed as well. So this is, comes just a lot from talking with individuals over the years as well, that they felt that their training over there was a little bit more focused on modalities of treatment spending quite a bit of time learning how to use a laser, how to use the underwater treadmill, how to use an ultrasound, a TENS and, you know, whatever it may be, and not enough time spent on the hands-on assessment, spent on the exercise progression, or spent even, you know, with manual therapy techniques, massage techniques, and that kind of stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with that either, because 
any of these programs we're talking, they're like an entry level program. And those are all skills that you can learn later on by taking different courses, by attending, you know, um, con uh, other consumer education lectures, conferences and whatnot. So, you know, keep that in mind as well, that, that all of these programs are just basically giving you a more foundation foundational level that then you can start working in this field and, and then start getting better at it. Just like, you know, as a physical therapist, physical therapy school gave me a very solid foundational level on how to be a physical therapist. And then I just learned a lot, you know, during my internships as students. And then even more once for the first year, year and a half of just being a PT and just be seeing patients and just kind of like taking what I have learned in the classroom and applying to real life as well. Right. So just wanted to kind of like mention that as well. So anyway, so there is the program at Tennessee, the CCRP program that has been a, around even a little bit longer than the Canine Rehab Institute, so very well-known program um, as well. Um, now, more recently, and this is where I don't know any of the background stuff so uh, on, on what transpired, so I cannot give you guys, the listener, any real answer into what exactly happened because I simply don't know, but... Um, as we know, what happened uh, last year was that there was a new program that started with North Carolina States, the CCAT program, which was formed by some of the faculty that for a while used to be members of the CCRP program in Tennessee. And then they branched out and opened this brand new program. I don't know much about that brand new program. I have never met anyone who has gone through it. I'm not familiar uh, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, I know their faculty members in terms of recognize their names and stuff from people that are well known in the field, but I never really kind of like interacted with them in a way to understand better what their program kind of like entails. So, you know, I, I want to mention them as a, as a, a place to go through and get trained, uh, in, in, in K9 rehab, but I honestly, can't give much more background on that because I'm, I'm just not, you know, familiar with it as well. So from my perspective, and I'm sure some of you guys might have your own perspective as well. Those are the main differences between the three main programs in the United States for uh, canine rehabilitation training. And then I also wanted to tackle that with another question that we got, which was how long does it take to get certified in canine rehab? And where do I begin? So I feel that where do I begin? We kind of like address that a little bit. But how long does it take to get certified? Um, I feel it, it really varies. I feel it depends a lot on uh, people's availability, uh, people's finances at times as well, um, you know, an ability to where they're at in their life right now, you know, in terms of being able to focus on the classes, go down no matter where you're going, to take the in-person labs and that kind of stuff, you know, and, and making that work with your schedule. Me back, you know, going back to 2014, all the way through the very first module that I took through completing my 40-hour internship with CRI, it was a good 14 months or so. I feel that that's a little bit on the higher end. I feel most of the people I talk to, we're talking somewhere in the six to 10 month range that it takes them to go through it. But I also have met individuals that were able to get it done within like three or four months as well. 
because of the way you know things are working for them at that point in their life so i feel you're gonna see you know some lower end of the spectrum some higher end of the spectrum but i feel probably from my experience with meeting with folks over the years has been like a six to ten month or so has been give or take how long it takes to go through one of the programs um you know and once again a lot of individual factors that kind of like play into it as well okay so hopefully that answers uh, both questions that we got in terms of uh canine rehab certification then the next question we got was in one of your webinars you mentioned that the first call with the prospective pet parents um and 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 how trainings around having the conversation should take place can you please expand on that thank you all right so i feel like i i've talked this uh maybe a little bit before i actually just had a phone call with my incubator students uh, a, a group a coaching call not a phone call a coaching call about three weeks ago that we we talked a little bit more about that but what we gotta understand okay we gotta understand that not everyone who calls us who calls your clinic is actually looking to book an evaluation okay what they want is actually to learn more about how you can help their pets so we gotta start the conversation from the perspective that the end goal is not to get them to book an evaluation it's actually to educate them on how you can help that pet okay so because of that the goal of that call should be about building up a relationship so they can understand what we do and most importantly see the value that we can bring to them so they can understand you know why we are potentially the best choice to help them and help uh, and their pets okay and even on why we do charge more than other clinics because of that and there's nothing wrong with that i want you guys to feel comfortable with the fact that you should not be the cheapest clinic around you should not be the cheapest canine rehab therapist around okay and of course there is a lot that i can go on to say about how to train how to cover you know how to uh, do those uh um, initial calls those intake calls and that is a reason why during the business accelerator program that i offer we actually spend a full module a full training talking about that breaking it down how to have that conversation what to talk about how to carry on uh, and 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 I even share with my students some real life examples of calls that I have done so they can listen to it and and learn from a real call as well okay but I do want to share just some general things for you know for you guys to to keep in mind about this without like I said spending like a full hour going into it so the first thing we got to understand is that we got to master the basics okay meaning we need to at the very least learn who we're actually talking to okay we need to know their name we need to know their pet's name the pet's age what has been going on how it's affecting them and so forth right and and you may be listening to this and be like well duh like of course i want to know those basics things it may sound simple but i'm telling you that i would say at least 80 to 90 percent of the clinics are not even asking their pet's name 80 to 90 percent of clinics on the phone are not even people are not even asking people what's their pet's name 
So how can you potentially even start building a relationship with someone if you don't even show a basic level of caring enough to know what's their pet's name? That's just a very basic kind of thing, right? Second thing also is to ask for their contact information if you don't have it already, okay? Now, if, if, if what I teach a lot of my students to do is to drive traffic, a lot of it through Google, <laughs> as you can imagine, but drive traffic to your website so people can fill out a form so you then contact them. But we still get, you know, cold calls. We still get people that, you know, just pick up the phone and call us. And it is very important for us to get their contact information then if we don't have it. We need to, at the very, at the very least, have an email to follow up with them and a phone number as well. Okay, because if our goal is to build a relationship during that call, then the next objective afterwards is going to be to nurture those relationships. And for us to nurture those relationships, we need to have a mean to follow up with them. So that's why an email, for example, is so important, because now we can potentially enter those people into an automated email campaign sequence that educates them on who we are, what we do, and so forth. Or we have a phone number that we can call back, we can text, whatever it may be, right? That's all part of the nurturing process, which is super important for you to be able to differentiate yourself from other clinics around you. Okay, so that was the second thing I want you to keep in mind in terms of the intake calls. The third thing is to not rush the conversation. Because if our goal is to build a relationship during those calls, we can't build a relationship in a five-minute phone call. There's just not enough time. So we need to give it time for that relationship to start taking place, for them to understand that you want to hear them, that you care about them. So I would say at the very least, that call needs to at least take a good like 15 to 20 minutes or so. So we can understand better what's going on. You can educate them on how you can help them and so forth. I would say on average, our calls are about like 20, 20-ish minutes or so. Some calls even longer than that. But we got to understand that you're not going to be able to build a relationship just in a five-minute phone call. And then finally, the last thing I wanted to share about that too is then, you know, you might be thinking right now, oh my God, friend. What clinic has the time or the staff to spend this much time on the phone with someone who's not even a paying customer yet, right? I know people ask me that all the time. And if you're thinking that, then we got to please understand that that might be a big reason why canine rehab clinics cannot charge as much as they want to charge for their services without getting pushback from prospective clients, okay? That might be the reason why you're getting pushback on raising your rates, raising your prices. And yeah, I know that's, that may sound a little bit harsh, but sometimes I, I just got to be honest with you guys. It needs to be said. Everyone in our field thinks that they're selling canine rehab or canine physio or whatever you call it. It doesn't matter what you call it, to be quite honest. But they fail to understand that what we're selling is actually an experience. What we're selling is the value that we bring to them. 
And one of the best ways for you to differentiate what you offer from the clinic down the road from you is for you to sell something different. Okay? And they can't get canine rehab anywhere else. They can get canine rehab at another clinic in town if that's what you're selling. But can they get the same experience there that they can get from you? Right? That's going to be the difference. That's going to be the difference. And it does have to start with that very first phone call. Okay? So, hopefully that makes sense. And actually... Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm actually reading the next question to it. And it actually ties up to it very nicely. The next question someone sent was, in a time when many therapeutic modality companies and even certification programs are marketing heavily to general practices, how can the standalone rehab practice maintain a competitive edge? And then this person has added, we have been the only standalone practice in our area for several years. And it seems that many general practices and now a large referral practice are or will be offering many of the same services that we offer. Okay, so that's the question. Thank you so much for sending that question. So I'm just going to be honest and actually challenge you guys to to change your view on it a little bit. Because from my perspective, I honestly think that the standalone rehab clinics are actually the ones who have the competitive edge over general practice and even over large referral specialty centers too. And then let me explain why I think that. So first of all, many general practice clinics really struggle to make rehab something truly profitable that it works for them. And I know that because through the years I have interacted with those individuals. Uh, 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 I have... uh, 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 got to know them better through some of the programs, through uh, uh, especially the the Business of Canine Rehabilitation course through the Canine Rehab Institute, which just a quick plug, uh, we're having that, I shared that before, but we have a new class starting March 22nd and it is over Zoom. So March 22nd, March 29th and April 5th, that's coming up, the Business of Canine Rehabilitation program with, with CRI where I'm one of the faculty members. But I have seen that scenario play out very commonly through the years with GP clinics really struggling to make that work for them. And and, and the reason why that, that happens is because the majority of them try to run rehab with the same business model as they're trying to run their general practice without understanding that rehab is a whole different model. It's a whole different business. You can't run with the same metrics, with the same standards, with the same KPIs. It's a different type of business. Now, can rehab be successful in a general practice clinic? Absolutely. And I know people who have been very successful at it, including one of the faculty members for that program. But it cannot be successful if they're trying to run the rehab just like they're trying to run general practice. And that's a big difference. The second is that a lot of the the general practice clinics and also the large specialty centers too, 
just don't allocate enough resources. And by resources, I mean staff, I mean time, I mean space, like physical space in the clinic. They don't allocate enough resources that is going to be needed to make rehab work. And if you really think about it, I really don't blame them from a business perspective. Okay, because they're able using the same resources, the same staff, the same amount of time and the same space. Right. They're able to generate significant more revenue by doing general practice, by doing things like diagnostics, medications and this and that or, you know, doing surgeries and, 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 and whatnot. Right. So that's why a lot of them struggle even having a rehab vet who wants to get rehab going in that clinic or acupuncture or chiro or whatever, but they can't figure out the finances and the business model on how to make that works because that same rehab vet for the same amount of time, the same amount of resources that that person is taking, if they're doing GP, they can literally generate two to three times more revenue that they can compared to doing rehab. So that's what I mean by it, it, it needs to be a different business model. And that's why I think that standalone rehab practices are actually positioned to really thrive on this because you're able to provide a whole different level of service that those clinics are not, not going to be able to provide. And once again, we're not selling rehab. We're not selling laser. We're not selling underwater treadmill. We're not selling acupuncture. We're not selling chiropractic. We're selling an experience. We're selling the results. We're selling the value that you bring to the pet owners. Which actually ties up then to the, the, you know, the part of the question, which was, okay, so how to differentiate yourself from them? Okay, which is actually the same answer on how any of us would dif differentiate, differentiate ourselves from any clinics around you, which is through marketing, 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 marketing. Okay, and we're going to dive much deeper onto it on April 1st as well. But understand that marketing, it's not simply about getting people to call you. We tend to think that marketing is about, okay, how many people are calling me, how many new clients I'm getting, and that's marketing. No, that's a, that's a small piece of it. That's one component of it. Marketing is much broader than that. Marketing is about the message that you're getting across to your prospective audience, the preeminence that you're building to your prospective audience, the ability for you to position yourself as the go-to place or as the go-to canine rehab therapist in your area. That's marketing. Okay. So first we've got to understand that we're not marketing rehabilitation. Okay. We cannot be selling rehabilitation. We cannot be marketing rehabilitation because people do not understand what rehabilitation is. They don't understand what it is. And if they think they do, they usually have a misconception about it that they think it is about underwater treadmill and laser. Am I like, if I'm wrong over here, please reach out to me. But that's what a lot of people, including even people that work in our field, even veterinarians tend to think about, 
right? So if you're marketing canine rehabilitation, they're going to think that they're comparing apples to apples. When if you're providing something different, they're comparing apples to oranges. And I think we can all agree that not, that not all rehab is the same. And that's okay. Right? I don't provide rehab the same way as every other clinic around me. And that's okay. We all have our own beliefs. We all have our own systems. We all have developed our own ways of treating patients that we believe is best. And the marketplace actually has a place for all of us. It has a place for all of us. There are plenty of pets that need our help. And that includes a mobile therapist doing the house calls with very minimal equipment. That includes a standalone clinic with all the bells and the whistles and whatnot. That includes a general practice or a specialty clinic seeing potentially a higher volume of dogs because of the way they're running their business more as a GP style rather than rehab business model. Or a rehab therapist, rehab clinic, standalone clinic, who focuses potentially less on modalities and more on hands-on treatment. Like, and there are different models there I can't even think of right now. right? But there is a market for everyone. And we can all help the people who are looking for what we have to offer them. And if what we have to offer them is not what they're looking for, that's fine too. They can go somewhere else. All right. Second thing is that you're also not marketing a service. So I alluded this a little bit earlier. You're not marketing a service. And that's very important to understand it. Okay. Right. As the, 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 the question before said, right, the quote was general practice and a large referral practice will now be offering the same services we had to offer in quotes. Right, and I actually talked about this a little bit. If you go back to one of the very first episodes we did, I can't remember the na- the the number, but it was titled like I think it was like the future of marketing canine rehabilitation or something like that. So I talked a little bit about that then. But we need to understand that things have changed, things have changed, and now there is going to be growing competition for all of us, and that's not a bad thing at all because it's going to push us to innovate. It's going to push us to to challenge ourselves more. And I honestly think that this is this is this is not a ditch on, on 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 anyone, please. But I think a lot of clinics just got complacent because they were the first or the second ones in town. They had no competition, and they naturally got busy just because of that. Because there was no competition around them, and they just became the go-to place because of that. They just became the default place to go to, and they never gave any thought towards marketing, towards selling, towards systems, towards uh, 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 a lot of things that are needed because of that. But now the landscape is changing. The landscape is changing, and clinics are going to need to keep up with it because the competition is only going to keep growing. And that's not a bad thing at all. If you think that growing competition is a bad thing, then we're going to disagree on that. Because competition is only going to drive us to become better. Only going to drive us to figure out ways to stand out. Okay? Like, you know, that's, you know, that's why there are antitrust laws within the government. Because, comp- like, you know, a company cannot have a monopoly on the market. It needs competition. 
to keep things fair, to keep things at a higher value. That's why those things exist. So please change. If, if you feel icky about having competition, please start changing your mindset on that. Right. So then we tend to believe that marketing is just about getting new leads. It's just about getting new clients, just about getting people through the door. But most people fail to understand that real marketing is about attracting the right people that actually wants to work with you and value what we do. While at the same time, building up their knowledge and educating them about you and how you can help their pets. That's how you differentiate yourself from those other places around you. Real marketing, which is about understanding who is your perfect client and crafting a, a marketing message that are going to educate them on how you can solve their problems while positioning you as the go-to clinic for them to go to. Right? So once again, we can't be marketing laser. We cannot be marketing underwater treadmill, rehab, acupuncture, chiropractic, hydrotherapy, whatever it may be. You need to learn how to market a solution to their problems. And if you connect that with the experience that you bring to them, then you're going to put yourself in a much different category than anyone else around you. Now, on the other hand, and I talked about this on that episode, The Future of Marketing and Rehabilitation. On the other hand, if you are marketing laser therapy, if you are marketing underwater treadmill, and then a clinic opens up in town, offering those same things, but charging less than what you charge, then guess where a lot of people are going to decide to go to? Of course, they're going to go to the cheaper place in town because they think they're going to get the same thing from, uh, uh, from them that they're getting from you. Right? Hopefully that's making sense. They think they're going to get the same thing but for cheaper. That's why personally I keep seeing more and more general practice clinics having laser therapy. And I'm sure you guys have been seeing that around too, right? A lot of them have their packages of laser that they charge. I don't know. I've seen anywhere from like 25 to 50 or so dollars for like a, a just a laser session alone, right? So then people ask me, it's like, Frank, how do you compete against that? They're only charging $25, but it's like, yeah, but they're marketing laser. I'm not marketing laser because if I was, yeah, I was never going to be able to compete with them. And that's just like, we've got to understand that's how the human brain works, right? Let, 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 let's take outside of our field, for example. A lot of us probably shop at stores like TJ Maxx, Marshalls, uh, Nordstrom Rack, um, websites like overstock.com, you know, things like that. Why do we do so? It's because we can get the same thing from a recognized brand perspective, but much cheaper. I can go to TJ Maxx, and yeah, I'm not gonna get the stuff that it's, you know, brand new kind of stuff, but I'm gonna find very good high quality uh, uh, clothes, very good high quality brands for a much cheaper than I'll be able to find it at other stores. That's why people shop there. 
So why would it be different with us? Okay, so think about it. And hopefully you're going to start to understand that we're not in the canine rehabilitation business, at least from a marketing perspective. We're not in the canine rehabilitation business. We're actually in the customer experience business. And you need to start thinking more within that way. Okay. And then the very last question here, someone asked, um, what is the difference between your business accelerator and the incubator program? Okay. So the business accelerator program, which by the way, stay tuned mid April, we're going to start a new group as well. Um, that's basically the program where that I developed that helps people through all these systems. I walk you through basically how I built all those systems for my clinic and how you can build those systems for your business as well, from marketing to selling, to how to handle the intake call, to how to set your prices, how to sell that to the clients, um, and a lot of other stuff that goes along with it, a lot of different marketing strategies and so forth. And and when I created that program now, um, when, what was it three years ago now? I'm losing track of time. But when I, yeah, I think it was like, yeah, spring of 2020, if I, no, 2021. So two years ago, when I created that program, basically I had one, I had one question in mind, which the question I posed to myself was, knowing what I know now in business, which at that point I had been in business for four years, had opened a clinic, grew, etc. But knowing what I know now about business and marketing, if I had to move from Chicago and start a brand new canine rehab business somewhere else where I had no connections, no networking or anything, what are the things that I would prioritize to get that business off the ground? And that's how I basically developed that whole course. It was basically with that question in mind. Are there more marketing things? Are there more things beyond the business accelerator program? Yes, there are. But what I put together was a step-by-step -step on what I would do if I really wanted to get a brand new business off the ground. And that's why it has worked for so many of the students because they're able to take the same things that I did minus the things that I did that didn't work <laughs> and just go straight to the point and just go straight to what it works. And not saying that all of them get the same results, of course, but a lot of them have gotten very good results out of it. So that's the business accelerator where we offer that uh, uh, like a in-person every week group coaching calls with a combination of some videos you watch on your own in between, some homework, this and that. We do that twice a year. Next one's coming up mid-April and then the next one's gonna be some point in the fall and so forth. Now, sometimes people cannot wait and they wanna join right away. If that's the case, you can always reach out to me too. And, and, and I can figure out a way to get you right away into the program to get started as well with some of the recordings from previous ones until we start a new in-person program as well. And then the incubator basically was created with, okay, now these people have gone through this business accelerator. They're starting to get their business off the ground. They're doing pretty good, this and that. But then now, how to keep it growing, how to keep it sustainable, how to keep building that business that fits their lifestyle rather than a business that consumes their life. 
And that's the incubator. That's why the incubator builds up on the business accelerator program. People, not everyone that goes to the business accelerator goes on to the incubator, but it's a next step kind of stuff. And then those are people who a lot of times have been working with me now for a good like three years or so continuously because that is an ongoing process, that it's an ongoing thing where there are always new challenges, there are always new things that we're dealing with, no matter if it's growth in terms of a clinic, if you're transitioning from going mobile to having a space, if you're hiring, if you're dealing with other challenges, like there's always gonna be things and that's where the incubator comes because then it's about making sure that we're optimizing you, the business owner first, so that way you can optimize your business, basically. So those are the main differences between the business accelerator and our incubator program. So anyways, thank you so much for you guys who submitted the questions. Um, you know, I'll follow up with you guys to make sure that you don't have any follow-up questions. I appreciate it. If anyone has any follow-up questions, also feel free to send those out uh, on social media or even by filling out the form once again. Like I said, we're going to use those forms to do other uh, podcast episodes in the future like this one or potentially even give me ideas for things that you want me to be talking about too. So don't hesitate to reach out if needed. It We're always just a DM or an email away. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the K9 PT Academy podcast, Business Lessons for K9 Rehabilitation Therapist. If you enjoyed what we had to say, please make sure to share or subscribe to our podcast or even leave us a review. You can also email us at hello at k9ptacademy.com. That's hello at k9ptacademy.com with any questions or suggestions. And go to k9ptacademy.com to find more resources and content, including our fee calculator spreadsheets, which is absolutely free and will help you determine how much you should be charging for your sessions. Because let's face it, determining what we should be charging is one of the biggest struggles we have as business owners in the canine rehabilitation field. You can also find all of that information and more under the show notes. Finally, I would just like to add a disclaimer that any of my thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are mine and mine alone, and in no way reflect the opinion or position of any other organization or company I may be associated with. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you're not having fun and enjoying life or running your business, then what's the point in doing so? So please go ahead and start having some fun.